Content warning. This episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and our discussion of it deals with sensitive subjects such as domestic violence and abuse. Previously on Booze and Buffy. That's okay. You know what? You're like season three of Buffy. Consistent. Thank you. You're you're coming in really fast with the compliments this episode. Like, are you flirting with me? I mean, it, it's go. It's it's significant for Willow to like. That's true. The public displays of affection have like. It's gone basically to... porn for Willow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, Angel oh, kind of falls out of the air. Um, naked. Ass first. Yeah. Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one by one. We will be spoiling our episode that we are discussing for our for this segment and talking about previous episodes, but we will be our absolute best to be spoiler-free for the rest of the series. I'm Jason, and I know better than to mix strange green chemicals together and drink them. And I'm Harrison, and I've been watching Penny Dreadful recently, but this is ridiculous. Uh, Jason, what episode are we watching today? Uh, we are watching season three, episode four, Beauty and the Beast. This is the one with basically the monster mash in Sunnydale. Mm-hmm. Um, they're uh, between Oz turning into a werewolf, Angel being back, and some serious Jekyll Hyde syndrome going on. Nobody really knows what's killing all these people. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Beauty and the Beast was written by Marty Noxon and directed by James Whitmore Jr. and originally aired on October 20th, 1998. Oh man, the next episode's going to air on October 27th, which would have been the day after my ninth birthday. Aww. That's cute. Is it though? Little nine-year-old Jason. Yeah, I bet you were cute. I was not watching Buffy though, so... (laughs) It's probably still (laughs) watching cartoons... Still entrenched in, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! or something like that. Oh, fuck yeah! Um, sorry, I know this is really derailing us right away, (laughs) but all of Yu-Gi-Oh! is on the Tubi app. Um, Tubi is, like, a a movie and TV show app. It is free, but there are ads. But, like, I was was scrolling through there and found Yu-Gi-Oh! And I was heavily tempted to watch, but I didn't. It's it's kind of crazy, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but speaking of crazy, let's play that intro music. Yeah. All right, Jason, um, what are you drinking today? Well, Harrison, I mixed a bunch of green chemicals together, and I'm going to drink <laughs> it now. <laughs> Uh, it's actually a margarita for my little drink mix, drinks around the mm. world set. So, um, yeah, mix the drink mix in with a uh, with some tequila, with some Jose Cuervo, and yeah. That sounds good. Oh my God, I want a margarita so bad. About to, about to find out. I haven't had a margarita in a long time. <laughs> uh, I am drinking uh, a glass of red wine. Um, red, red wine. <laughs> Um, it's a Cabernet Sauvignon from a box called Bay Bridge. Um, and I'm drinking it from one of my fancy crystal glasses because I wanted to feel classy and, 
uh, ignore the fact that I'm wearing the same pajama bottoms that I've been wearing for the last three days with no underwear. So I couldn't tell. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so a toast. A toast. Um, here's to. I'm gonna toast to Marty Knoxon, who. Uh, I think is a wonderful writer and she has just created some great television in Buffy and outside of Buffy. Um, this week wasn't it, but to Marty Knoxon. <laughs> to Marty Knoxon. Cheers. Kalink. Twink. <laughs> Woo, the lime is strong with this one. Ooh, I love lime. Lime, 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 lime. I mean, it's, it's actually, honestly... Honestly, apart from, like, the liquor being different, it just really tastes exactly the same as the mojito that I had in the last episode. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it's just, like, instead of rum, I can taste the tequila. Nice. I really like those, um, those like, pre-made margarita bottles. Oh, yeah. Like, those are... I mean, a margarita is not a drink that you need to get, like, crazy fancy with. Buy it in a plastic bottle and go to town. yeah. Dump it, dump it into a blender with some ice. Throw in some hooch and blend mm. it up. And hell, I bet there are even some that have like the booze already in it. Oh yeah, yeah. They, they, there are some that come like pre mixed, which is nice. Um, drink it right from the bottle if you want. You know, no, <laughs> you sound like somebody are, who's done that. <laughs> there are no rules anymore. It's Fury Road, baby. <laughs> Let me get my flaming guitar out. <laughs> All right, um, so Beauty and the Beasts. We start with a, uh, a voiceover from Buffy reading The Call of the Wild. But she's not um, actually reading it? She's not, uh, but Willow is. Yeah, um, I, that's something I've never understood. Like, it seems so out of place because there are very few times when there are voiceovers in Buffy, and it's almost never Buffy. Mm -hmm. So why they had her do this when in effect like it then transitioned into willow reading it i don't know i'm gonna say it is a one of this episode's many clumsy attempts to thematically connect these three stories um yeah there's a lot buffy, happening in this episode oh my god <laughs> um, we get that because we get the voiceover again at the end yeah. with buffy and it's obviously more related to Angel. I actually think this just would have worked better if we had it as Willow from the get-go at the beginning, relating and it be related to Oz, and then at the end, let it be Buffy and related to Angel. I'm a smart cookie. I, I, I got the, I can get the parallels. <laughs> like there you go. Um, but yeah, they, Oz is uh, Oz is locked up in his cage. Mm -hmm. um, and this is this is the beginning of that absolutely horrible oh werewolf God. design, like so, did so we, bad. Did we talk about that when we when we discussed phases that the yes. we'd be getting? Okay, that's yes, what we thought. talked about that. Like from this episode on, the werewolves just look awful. They look more like um, honestly, they look like rabid Planet of the Apes. Uh, yeah, it's 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 extras a, or whatever. So yeah. It, yes, it's very ape-like, and it's, it doesn't look wolf-like at all, and it's got this, like, weird, like, super shaggy head, and I, 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 before we started recording, I was doing some research to try to figure out if, like, they had ever, like, 
why they had changed it. And not that the original looked great, but, you know, this one is just so much worse. And I could not find anything. Like I assumed that it had to be something to do with cost. Like, this had to be cheaper or something like that. I'm thinking cost or, or maybe, like, um, to be more involved in, like, action sequences. Because the, the original Fair one enough. was pretty, like, clunk, clunk, moved kind of clumsily. So maybe yeah. this one... I did notice it moves faster. It, um, so, but I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's just really bad. And honestly, though, I will say, I just to be. It, it looks like an overgrown Ewok. <laughs> it does. Um, like it looks like don't... somebody got lost on their way to being in Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> All right. I'm I done. generally though, <laughs> I generally though don't care for werewolf effects. Like I think werewolf is like the hardest like thing to get to look right um yeah i'm trying to think of a movie where i thought like that had a werewolf in it that i thought I the werewolf the, looked really good i remember the uh i think the werewolves looked pretty good in um in vampire diaries not a movie um mm. i think my least favorite werewolf design apart from this is probably harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban yes god that is an ugly werewolf I was going to say that if that's not where you were going to say. I was. I remember when that movie came out, I was like fucking 10 years old, I think. Maybe. I don't remember how old I was because I can't remember what year that movie came out. But I remember sitting in the theater and when he transformed into the werewolf, I was like, what is this shit? Like, this is awful. It wasn't good. Um, and I was actually thinking about that movie earlier today, too, because I was thinking about how well like the causality loop time travel is done mm-hmm. um i mean granted it was done pretty much the way it was done in the book so yeah but they the movie actually does do a little more to yeah. to point out like the causality time loop and right. um whereas the book it's implied but not like directly stated and the movie shows um i always think of when hermione like throws the rock to get them out of yeah um out of hagrid's cabin um it's a good touch yeah um but this Uh, is not a harry potter podcast (laughs) no there are probably like a billion of those things already (laughs) um yeah so uh oz is locked up in his cage in werewolf form Mm -hmm. and uh xander shows up he's basically relieving willow um Uh, are you seeing what i'm seeing on the wiki our first uh (laughs) xander shows up for the second shift or rather, snoozing. <laughs> God, he no, goes like when right to sleep. What? He goes right to sleep. Like he yeah, he, he doesn't even to... he doesn't even drink any of the coffee he brought. Yeah. <laughs> he like doesn't like. Xander, I could you know I I could maybe be a little more forgiving of Xander falling asleep if he didn't just get right on the table like lay down use the book as a pillow. Yeah, like, yeah, like, like if it's like when they find Buffy asleep. She's like at least sitting up. Yeah, I mean, she had been studying, on, man. Like, <laughs> they, and honestly, they really need to be doing this in Xander's defense. They need to be doing this in in pairs. Like, just seems safer. But yeah, because like, what's gonna? Ha- what is Xander gonna do? Uh, I mean, he has the gun. <laughs> he has like the trank gun. Um, but like, what is Xander going to do when uh, when Oz bre- if Oz breaks out? Right. Um, Especially if he just goes right to sleep. I I wouldn't be able to sleep i think if there was just a werewolf like 
10 feet from me, even if it was locked in the convenient cage. I mean, he'd also constantly be, like, banging on the cage. So how can you fall asleep to that? Oh, because you're Xander and you're a total fucking Chad. (laughs) Oh, God. Maybe maybe on the Hellmouth, you just, like... It's like, you know, like, when John and I used to live on 4th Street was always traffic going down that and we we had trouble when we moved to where we live now that has less traffic we had trouble sleeping because it was too quiet maybe being on living on a hell mouth is the same just those the screams you hear outside of your home just help lull you to sleep at night uh but yeah um so while xander is like basically slunking off on his job and Mm -hmm. uh um, Buffy and Faith, um, who are now like awesome friends forever. Yay! Um, they're uh, they're going, they're like doing a patrol. They walk through the graveyard, and Faith asks the uh, ever important question: Have you ever caught any kids doing it in here? And <laughs> that is so. When I first saw this episode, way back when, back in college, um, I thought, oh, that's weird. But I have since learned that apparently. Teenagers love to like let their horny emotions loose in graveyards. Mm-hmm. It is weird, and I don't think I would have personally picked it. But if a girl had been like willing to uh, be <laughs> down for that in the graveyard, I would have been like, "All right, why see, not?" There, there you have it, right there. It's just you know, once you the just need, kick in. Yeah, you just need one. One uh, willing party, and, or you need like one uh, asking party and one willing party. So there you go. <laughs> um, Faith not so subtly um, just lays out the thesis of this episode when she says, "Just point blank, all men are beasts." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Faith. Yeah. Um, this. Uh, I think one of this episode's biggest failings is in let me let me make my whole point before you interject one of this episode's biggest failings is that obviously it covers domestic abuse um or just abuse in general specifically from like a male romantic partner to their female counterpart and um their female significant other and we've had this before but before it's always been done in a not in a fairly subtle way like oh it it kind mm-hmm. of like isn't just painted out for you this episode it's really just like kind of smacking you over the face with the message but i will say there are some people who still don't just who still don't get it so maybe they need this to be spelled out for them so mm-hmm. it is an important message that does need to be repeated um, it's just not great storytelling wise. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. I think the I think the message is really important, but I think the episode um, fails in delivering that message. Um, not just in um, the storytelling aspect, but I think it it, it does. By introducing a supernatural element to it, undercuts its own message a little. And I know that is the the shtick of the series. Um, I guess it it, uh, it feels very underdeveloped in this episode. I think, and part of that problem is um, 
this, the fact that it is sharing this episode with the Angel story and the Oz story. Um, And it becomes a story about how men are animals and not a story about abuse. Yeah. Because those are different things. Um, Fair enough. And Debbie is... Um, Debbie is really underdeveloped as a character. Um, like I feel bad for her because of what is happening to her, but she's just there for that to happen. Yeah, to she's her. just the victim, and yeah. it's it's really hard to have like any any um, emotional link to her besides yeah, she's the victim. And I feel like the episode is a little cold towards her. Like, the um, the scene where Buffy is talking to her in the bathroom, Buffy is very caustic to her. She says, like, um, her advice to her is don't get hit. And it's... And I understand, like, from Buffy's perspective, um, she needs to stop Pete. She needs this information now. She doesn't have time to be kind. But... From a real world perspective, though, we are talking about a real life situation that can happen to people. So I think the writers should be more um, more careful about how they present that on screen. Yeah. Um, the scene where Oz is talking to Debbie and just says, like, if you need anything, you can come talk to me. I loved that because well, that I mean, was... Oz continues to be, like, probably right? the best moral person in the show apart from Giles. Yeah. I love uh, me some Oz. Uh, but yeah, um, so Buffy and Faith are talking about Scott Hope, who's still a thing. Mm-hmm. And um, and Buffy's like, oh, well, I'm like, you know, I'm kind of trying to take it. Like, they've only been out on a few dates or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, Faith is asking like, oh, does, does he get you all tingly in your low parts? <laughs> Faith, how low Faith are we talking yeah, Faith's just laying it out there um, oh my god she filthy <laughs> like I said she is a badass bitch <laughs> I can understand why Xander like listens to her stories like so much you never know what you're gonna hear <laughs> um, uh, and also like a kid named Jeff is attacked um, we don't see what attacks him all we know mm-hmm. is that it is nasty yeah um, so the next day at, uh, at school, Buffy is talking to Scott, Debbie, and Pete. So I want to um, say, for a minute, there were so many, like, supporting characters on the screen that, like, <laughs> and I get that it's, like, Buffy trying to hang out with Scott's friend group, but yeah. it almost felt like a, what show are we watching? Because who the hell are these people? And, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, they're trying to have like a buddy-buddy conversation or whatever. I'm like, who are you even? <laughs> I I do appreciate, though, that the... Because um, a lot of the times when we have these like single episode Sunnydale High students, um, it, it literally is just like, oh, hey, this character who we're going to act like we've always known like at least this episode goes like these are scott's friends and like that's why we don't really see them uh, or haven't really seen them before um so i thought i thought that was a nice touch um, yeah that is kind of a recurring thing in uh, buffy like characters just show up and and it's and the and the and the main characters are like oh yeah they've been here all along <laughs> obviously there's one big moment in particular that isn't for a little while but we'll get yep. to that um <laughs> 
Buffy's gonna go see the uh, school psychologist, Mr. Platt, who <laughs> is played by Phil Lewis, who Phil you have Lewis. almost certainly seen in something because he is Doctor Hooch in uh, in Scrubs. He is Mr. Is it Mosby? Hooch, Hooch is crazy. Hooch is crazy. <laughs> is it Mosby or Mosley? Um, I think on it's Mosby. Okay. I think yeah, so. uh, he is. Um, Those are like the two things I am like really familiar with him for. Okay, um, I also knew him from. Uh, I also knew him from uh, Yesteryear. He was one of the uh, security guards who was friends with Jimmy, um, uh, like one of the main characters in the show, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, he. When I was looking at his IMDb, he's also apparently in a few movies that I know, um, including Heather's. Oh really? Who's the yeah. Heather's? Don't remember. I just saw that he was in oh. Heather's, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> clearly could be random high school student. I probably. <laughs> um, uh, before we get to Mr. Platt, real quick, because I feel like we're gonna we're gonna talk to talk about him. Um, I need to talk. I just want to point out we have this bit where Pete gives uh, has given Debbie some flowers, and Buffy's like, "Those flowers are beautiful," and I was like. Those flowers are fucking weeds. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I like it is. It is not. It's not even a bouquet. It literally just looks like he went outside, saw some, and just like ripped them out of the ground. Clearly, Buffy um, has never received flowers as a gift before. <laughs> we know that she has, though. Remember when she got those roses? Oh yeah, from she Angelus? got the flowers from Angelus. But those were murder flowers, so. <laughs> Buffy doesn't know how to... I guess maybe, like, these flowers are beautiful because they don't have, like, an evil note attached to them. Fair. That is totally fair. It's a thing of beauty. (laughs) Um, uh, Hold on just a second. I just realized my uh, phone, the ringer, is still on. All right, I'll turn that off. There we go. Wow, what a nice ceiling you have. (laughs) Um... Um, but yeah, we also like, learned um, that uh, Debbie also sees Mr. Platt, um, but she doesn't. Uh, she doesn't like him. Yeah, and so it kind of like it kind of makes Buffy a little nervous for uh, for like whatever her she doesn't know what to expect out of this psychologist mm-hmm. psychiatrist. Is, one, is he a psychologist or a psychiatrist? I mean, he's a school counselor. Yeah, I don't know school counselor. Knows, we'll I, go with that. I was like, um, do you have to have a like a, a? Are school counselors typically like a psychiatrist or psychologist? Or well, psychiatrists have what have are medical, like they actually had to go to medical school, um, and uh, that's because they have the ability to like issue prescriptions or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, psychologists are, uh, I feel like they more study the mind and behaviors as opposed to directly interacting with patients. Um, okay. that's kind of my understanding of it I'm sure there are like some psychologists and psychiatrists out there who are like fuck you you asshole you don't know a damn thing about what we do <laughs> um, listeners if you know um, please please tell us um, be nice I just about googled, it please <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I just googled um, qualifications to be a school counselor and it literally just came up master's degree so, yeah I could easily see being like a master's in psychology Masters mm-hmm. in social work, even or something like that. Oh, um, I would. Uh, masters in social work would make a lot of sense. I'd say probably like anything 
that could be related to counseling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like and I, I would imagine it's probably different depending on like what type of counselor you are. Like yeah. at Trinity, we had um, like we had academic counselors whose job specifically was to like help you pick colleges and like decide what sort of classes you want yeah, to take. Yeah, that's completely different from like behavioral counselors and stuff like that. Right. Um, although I'm sure there are some schools where the budget isn't very high and you've got a Deanna Troy situation going on. One counselor for the whole enterprise. <laughs> but the, uh, but yeah, so, um, Buffy's still like all lovey-dovey with Scott, Hope, and, uh, so then after that is when, uh, is when Xander and everybody finds out about like the, the, uh, poor kid that got mauled. And, mm -hmm. uh, so like Oz is freaking out. Um, well, everybody's freaking out and like the windows open and, and, uh, my favorite is when Willow and is it Willow and Oz walk into the library and Giles and Xander kind of, they're like, like running about and Xander, Giles just goes, there's no need to panic. And Oz is like, little tip, poker, it's not, not your, your game. game. <laughs> yeah, but then like, oh my God. I've, we've seen Giles angry at Xander before, but like this might be the second most angry I've ever seen him at Xander up to this point. When he's just like, you were asleep? It's like, yeah, I, I, I noticed that when I, when you woke up? Mm-hmm. That woke up. He is... It is very... Um, it is reminiscent of uh, of In Bewitched, Fathered, and Bewildered. Exactly. That was the first... That was the first um, thing that I thought of. Like, oh, yeah, like, now Buffy is in danger, and she's the Slayer. So if something happens to her, you've done fuck the world, Xander. <laughs> yeah. Um, it... Yeah, it's... Um, Thankfully, Xander, Xander doesn't has much doesn't have much left to do in this episode. Yeah, so that might be he one of this episode's saving not, graces. <laughs> he does not. One of the things that frustrates me is he does not seem um, like appropriately ashamed. Like I don't think he ever apologizes for for what he did. Um, he ends up being off the hook at the end of the episode because it wasn't Oz that killed, um, like killed this kid. But, like, if it had been, or if Oz had killed someone else, like, you know, it's really serious. And the episode seems to know it's serious for this scene, what Xander did, and then just kind of forgets, like, about it. But Yeah, and it's, and it's stuff like this that, like, I keep telling people, this is why I don't like Xander. I get that, <laughs> I get that Xander has moments of growth, and he has moments of being good, um, but he... I feel like it is heavily outweighed by just mm -hmm. how incompetent he is and, like, the lack of remorse he shows for it. Mm -hmm. um, this is where we get our scene with Buffy and Mr. Platt. Um, what do you think about Mr. Platt, Jason? Like, uh, I have to say that um, the majority of the time I was trying to, like, remember him from everything that I've seen him in. And I'm like... <laughs> That looks a lot like Hooch. Uh, but, uh, but no, it's like... I like that there is... And it's sad that Buffy never truly gets to use him as a resource. Mm -hmm. But, like, he does give off that air of... You can tell me anything. And 
Buffy, like you would think that Buffy would have that in Giles or in Willow, but I mm. mean, I mean, look at what happened in the last episode. Giles had to like make up a fake binding spell to, um, yeah, to like get the full truth about what happened with Angel out. Um, and uh, even when she's talking to uh, Giles about this later in the episode, she can't say, "Oh, Angel's back." She's like, "I had a dream that Angel's yeah. back." So she doesn't have, and I mean, she can't tell her mom about this. She's just getting used to telling her mom about being a slayer. Um, mm-hmm. Well, of course she can't tell Joyce about it. Joyce isn't in this episode. <laughs> no, it's like, it's just, she, um, and I've had a couple of those people, um, counselors in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one professor in college who, uh, like there were a couple of times when like the last couple of years of my undergrad got rough for me, uh, because I was, I was working like a night job at UPS and, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I probably shouldn't say the company that I work for, but I don't work for them anymore. Uh, so, <laughs> um, but yeah, like I was working a night job and I was doing like 19 hour semesters. So okay. I was like, it was rough. And then like, I just remember one time, like, I went to this teacher's office and just like, oh my God, it's like the worst. And yeah, so it's it's always nice to have those kind of people in your, like available to you. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, and the thing with therapists is that they're there to listen to you. They, it's yeah. like, I know that um, a lot of people say like, oh, well, I have friends or uh, my parents I could tell anything to. And um, at least for me, there are things I feel like I can't tell my parents just because I don't think it would help at all. No mm. offense to my parents, but like some of the stuff I struggle with is like stuff that's kind of beyond their understanding. Then again, it might not be, but that's yeah. kind of bad presumption on my part. But then I do have like a couple of friends that I would tell that I would like to tell things to. But there are times when I think like, oh, I don't really like want to overburden them with mm-hmm. with this because they've got their own stuff going on as well so the fact that like there's somebody that wow i've rambled on a long time about no this. it's okay it's the good. fact that there is somebody that buffy has that she can go to explicitly to listen to her and mm-hmm. to tell her stuff that she needs to hear it's comforting except that yeah. she doesn't get that yeah i i i think everything you said was really great i agree um he and he's good at it like yeah. he immediately um like he's so good at it it almost makes me wonder how he ever got hired at Sunnydale High <laughs> I mean um, I can uh, I can only assume that like it's I mean granted it's for the purposes of the TV show <laughs> obviously is number 1 but I mean I can I could assume like it's probably a I don't know it's probably like location and yeah. Just like he taking the job been, that you can get. He must have been a holdover from... He must have been a hire of Mr. Flutie's, not Principal Snyder's. I feel like Principal Snyder's not responsible for every bad teacher that there is in at Sunnydale <laughs> High. I mean, he, I think he's more of just like a... We don't really see him... We rarely see him actually doing the job of a principal. He's more just kind of like... Bullying yeah, Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Mr. Platt reminds me a lot of Dr. Gregory from, um, season one's, uh, Teacher's Pet. 
who was another teacher who believed in Buffy and um, was kind to her and uh, also died shortly after his one and only scene. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I am I'm disappointed that uh, we... Um, we, we don't get to see um, more of Mr. Platt. I think he would have been really good for Buffy. Um, but I, I that, love um, this one scene with him. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, I feel like if there had been a character that would have been specifically for Buffy to talk to, um, it kind of would have had like something along the lines that uh, Tony Soprano has with Dr. Melfi um, mm-hmm. in The Sopranos. Uh, have you seen The Sopranos? I have not. It's I, on my list. I've watched the first season, and it's a very cool dynamic because, I mean, Tony slowly opens up more and more to this therapist, and, uh, of course, that obviously puts her in more and more danger. So mm. I feel like that kind of would be somewhat akin to what would happen with Buffy, like if she had revealed more and more of her life to uh, Mr. Platt. Yeah. And for once, it's not uh, proximity to Buffy that leads to someone's death. It's proximity to Debbie. Yep. Um, um, That kind of makes me me think of um, um, Robin Weigart's character in um, Big Little Lies, Nicole Kidman's therapist. Um, Those, which incidentally were like my favorite scenes of Big Little Lies was Nicole Kidman and her... um, and her therapist. Yeah. I love those scenes. Um, back at the library, um, Buffy walks in, the whole gang is there, um, and they're all looking very upset, and she asks what's up, and Cordelia blurts out, Oz ate someone last night. <laughs> <laughs> and okay, oh, you want to know, you want to know, Cordelia yells out the phrase, Oz ate someone last night and somehow in the way only he can Xander follows it up with something worse <laughs> like like what Cordelia said was pretty tactless but Xander's just oh, clueless good old Chad <laughs> God. he just goes on this um, I, I can't even remember exactly what he says but it's it's like a it's a fucking he like like monologues about about what happened. And he's like it's like mall, just like blood everywhere and guts, and it's all Oz's fault. But it's not Oz's fault, and Oz's just like, oh yeah. fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um. So yeah, and then uh, so now they decide to um. Like, they plan to, uh, like, Buffy's going to go out on patrol, mm-hmm. and um, Willow, Xander, and Cordy are going to go check out the body to see if it was done by a werewolf. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Giles is, like, going, oh, I'm going to try to do some research or whatever. And yeah, that that part is, basically, it's everyone has a job to do, and it's that means Faith is left to sit with Oz but Giles's feels really like like what research are you doing like 
Yeah, didn't we already like, do all the werewolf research? <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's really strange. It's just it's just out for a way to make sure that Faith is the one with Oz. Um, but okay. But yeah, well uh while Buffy is out on patrol, she uh she has a little run in with Mr. David Boyana's Angel okay. Angel. So I'm gonna make the same complaint I made in uh in uh, Innocence. Why is he wearing pants? <laughs> Why the hell is he wearing pants? He is feral. <laughs> and okay, I get it. I understand that it is a network television show and the WB couldn't have David's Boreanaz flopping about on screen. <laughs> but he is a wild animal. He arrived... Did he like land butt-ass naked in the mansion and then go like, I'm gonna rampage through the woods. But first, better put on some leather pants. No, it's like it's like the Hulk. I mean, it doesn't matter what what pair of pants he's wearing when he turns into the Hulk. They will always like end up stretching just the right amount so that he still wears them. But like, you can't wear them afterwards. Um, oh my gosh! But no, um, and uh, yeah, like Angel's a little um, little angry. Yeah, like you <laughs> said, he's feral. <laughs> Is that how you pronounce that? Uh, or feral. Yeah, I think, feral I think is how I always, how I, I think always either, read it. I think either way is acceptable. I don't know. But yeah, she... I just um, have a degree in English. <laughs> but yeah, she's able to like, uh, she's able to knock him out and chain him back up at the mansion. And then she sees... Like old times. And then she sees something that made me laugh, like that ash outline of Angel. I'm like... It, it looks so damn comical. It is really goofy looking. And I <laughs> and I think it's supposed to be serious, but it looks like a like like a crime scene investigator really fucked up the chalk outline of the body. <laughs> like it made me think of uh, Gilmore Girls when Jess made that like use the police tape and like put that fake chalk outline in front of Dozies. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's it, it looks so silly. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, but yeah, so now we've got Angel's return in the mix, and that's like three separate storylines. You did mention before mm-hmm. that we had three. So there's like there is so much going on in this episode that it never properly it never properly develops really any amount of it. Mm-hmm. The um, the Oz storyline kind of just gets a little forgotten almost until it's yeah. time for him to fight the, until it's time for him to fight Pete. Um, and I think, I, I think that's the thing. I think all of the stories get forgotten if they're not being like, if they're not the active focus of the scene. Yeah. But the episode is also clumsily trying to stitch them together. Mm-hmm. And like, it almost feels like the original idea of this episode was that um, Oz gets out, someone dies, and then Buffy discovers that Angel's back. And so you've got this, did Oz do it? Did Angel do it? And But then they were like, the, the writers panicked and were like, no, no, we can't have Oz kill someone. We can't have Angel kill someone. Like, And then enter Pete. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't... 
I don't know. That's what it feels like. That's obviously I'm not saying that is how the story was conceived, but yeah. Yeah, and then um then there's like the quick scene with uh, Xander and Willow and Cordelia in um in the morgue. I like this scene. <laughs> <laughs> I think this scene is really fun. I like when um Z- so Willow's got her goddamn Scooby-Doo lunchbox, <laughs> which she is keeping her forensic tools in. I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. And, <laughs> and then, um, is Cordy, like, startles Xander? And Xander has a line where he's like, we're doing crime here. You don't sneak up on someone while you're doing crime. I think Xander startles uh, Willow. <laughs> he does. And he does then, so. like, and then Cordy startles Xander, and you're just like... Boy, if we're talking like Scooby-Doo nonsense going on here, this is this is prime example of it. Um, Xander and Cordelia are both like really overwhelmed by this body, um, and they've seen a lot of dead bodies before. So like, we don't really see how mauled um, this kid is, but it must be pretty bad. I assume that the majority of stuff that they see is. Um is like vampire related so it's more mm-hmm. like just the punctures in the neck and stuff like that yeah. so seeing like a fully mauled body probably doesn't happen um too frequently i mean hell yeah. uh, was there anything left of principal flutie uh, <laughs> after after uh after the kids ate him probably not uh, but anyway um. so like yeah faith is just kind of I love, I love Faith just like rocking out to like heavy metal music in the in the library, and then like uh, Buffy like tries to get her attention, and like Faith just turns around, and just punches her. And listen, if Buffy had been in the last scene, she would have known. Don't sneak up on people. <laughs> that's actually the recurring. That's the theme of this episode. Don't sneak up on people. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, like the domestic abuse and stuff. That's second, but first, don't be sneaking up on people. Um, yeah, but like, uh, but yeah, Buffy basically takes over, and uh, while while Oz is like doing his werewolf thing, she is um, she's like reading books, like we said earlier. Uh, Giles comes in in the morning and sees what she's reading, and it's like just about uh, demon dimensions and a cathola. Mm-hmm. And that's when Buffy goes on about this dream that she had. And uh, I think she's like really, she's obviously really hopeful sh- or she's looking for some shred of hope that Angel can be back to his normal self. But right now mm-hmm. he's, he's very feral. And uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Giles is, um, Giles is doubtful that Angel even could return. Um, but is like, but says like, if he would, if he did, um, time would have passed differently there. He probably would have been there for hundreds of years, which I did. Um, um, Anne. Yes, I did like, cause I remember when I watched Anne and then like, um, and I was thinking to myself, wow, I don't think, I don't think this episode comes up too much, um, for the rest of the series. But I forgot about this, so I liked that there was like that nice yeah. little tie to that, because um, yeah, Buffy just says I know uh, about like yeah. time uh, running differently, time running at different paces in the different dimensions. Yeah, 
And we also get a, a callback to, um, uh, to Jenny's death mm-hmm. when um, Giles tells her, like, you know, after Jenny died, basically he is, um, I think Giles interprets what Buffy is telling him as just part of her grieving process. Similar to what Giles went through um, in yeah. uh, I Only Have Eyes for You. Yeah, and I think that is, I think it's nice. I love seeing him share, like, you know, this is something, this was also part of my grieving process, and we, we, we can share that. Um, of course, he does not have all the information because um, Buffy chooses to keep this from him, which is frustrating. Yeah, and, uh, and, um, like, uh, what is it that comes in next? Like something about cold hearted jelly donut or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, Will- yeah, Willow comes back and says that she doesn't know what, um, she doesn't know what, oh, sorry. Hey, I got a couple things mixed up. So, <laughs> As Giles came in to the library, he unlocked uh, Oz's cage. Then he finds Mm -hmm. Buffy. Um, Then, like, Buffy, Willow, and Oz... And Buffy, Willow, and Giles... Ooh, I'm doing what you're doing. Uh, Buffy, Willow, and Giles are talking about what could have happened um, because they weren't able to get any decisive evidence from the body... And uh, they have to, like, oh, we have to figure out who could be, like, the cold-blooded. And uh, and she's like, jelly donuts. And um, <laughs> that's when uh, Oz walks in, which is funny because, like, later he, like, refers to himself as a cold-blooded Joni, a cold-hearted jelly donut. So, yeah. Um, but his timing is incredible. So, yeah. So it's interesting that... Uh, <laughs> it's interesting that I had problems keeping all of that together. Because there is a scene later. um, It's when they're discussing, like, who could have possibly killed uh, both Jeffrey and Platt. And uh, I remember, like, them just throwing around all the different names. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm kind of losing track of this. (laughs) Our suspects of the week. That was another thing. Like, there were so many, like, supporting minor characters in this episode. Mm -hmm. And they were just throwing them around all willy-nilly. It was like like trying to keep up with the wire. Like, (laughs) who is this person again? All right. Yeah. Um, (laughs) um, We... we get a, a very brief scene where um, it, it, it's, there's not much to it, but it is important where uh, Buffy's talking with Debbie, Pete, and Scott about um, her new her visit. Uh, yeah, um, her visit with Mr. Platt. And basically Debbie's like, oh, isn't he a weirdo? And um, Buffy's like, actually, you know, I kind of liked him. And when Buffy says that, it seems to give Debbie the confidence to be like, oh, you know, I kind of liked him too. He um, he was nice to talk to. And Pete doesn't like to hear that. Yeah, and unfortunately... So, yeah, so uh, while, while Buffy goes out to... Um, and you know what? Scott is in this episode, but he's also kind of just in this episode. Yep. It's yes. like the, his only purpose was to have been the friend who introduced Buffy to uh, Pete and uh, Debbie. More or um, less. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, Buffy, like, goes to check on Angel. Pete and Debbie go into, like, a boiler room or something to make out. Yeah, um, I don't know what the fuck this room is. Like, Yeah, and then, like... And then, like... Pete picks up this, like, almost empty jar of glowing green liquid. And he's like, did you drink this? And you're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> right. And... And, uh... Un- and like you, you obviously you actually don't know what is going on. It feels like it's kind of out of nowhere. Um, oh yeah, this comes for something that is presumably like a major part of this episode. It comes really near the end. Yeah. Like, um, this scene should have happened a lot earlier. So like, Buffy had been trying to reach out to Angel. Angel's still like feral or whatever. So this um. This causes her to, like, go to Mr. Platt and then, like, just kind of pour her heart out um, mm-hmm. and say, like... I was trying not to use the same phrasing that the wiki used, but I did it on accident. Um, <laughs> yeah, she, like, kind of just spills everything um, and almost gets to, like, the point where she's about to talk about Angel being back, but then she notices that, like, Mr. Platt's cigarette is, like, all the way burned down. And mm-hmm. she turns around, and he has been mauled. Yeah. R.I.P. Mr. Platt. Yeah. Pour one out. Yeah, you could have... You probably would have been, like, a really awesome guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but welcome to Sunnydale. Yeah. Uh, so this is where we... Um, this argument between Pete and Debbie... Um, or, well, I wouldn't even call it an argument. It's just he's yelling at her. Um... And she takes is its supernatural turn. Yeah, and she is, and it's obviously really hard to watch because there's a lot of her like saying she's sorry and mm-hmm. him saying like all of these things that you would expect like an abuser to say. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's it's tough to watch, and like if you hadn't, and actually, in all fairness, up until that point, there really wasn't any like indication of that kind of a relationship between uh pete and debbie at least yeah to me it doesn't feel like um um there is um the, the only real moment i think is in that scene where they're talking about mr platt yeah and he is he is kind of controlling uh of her and her opinion of mr platt so you get that early indicator um and that is pretty realistic. A lot yeah. of times the signs are, are not necessarily noticeable. They're hard to pick to up. To people outside of the relationship. Um, he, um, we also get this parallel, you know, obviously this is like a Jekyll and Hyde sort of thing. Um, but also the, this kind of parallel between like what his potion that turns him into this monster and of course alcohol um and I will say it makes I me feel do really bad like, about drinking the screen alcohol now. <laughs> I I do like though that the end of the episode um kind of rejects that though. It is one thing I think the episode does right, it where it basically is like, you know, he wasn't like this because of this potion he took. He was like that. Yeah. Um that potion just gave him super strength yeah it's kind of like um and i feel like it has to do with any drugs that you take like 
drugs don't put something that wasn't already there into you. Mm-hmm. It it like it either lowers your inhibitions and lets you say stuff and do stuff that you wouldn't normally do with a full head with a full clear head or mm-hmm. it um or it like just messes you up and like brings out like a lot of like dangerous urges and actions mm-hmm. like like stimulants would um yeah yeah so yeah it's and yeah like you said that's really important it's like drugs and alcohol do not they they might they might change the status of a person but they don't change the person yeah um, John and I have been watching, uh, we've been rewatching BoJack Horseman, as I think I've mentioned. Because you wanted to be just, depressed. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but we just, literally, before, uh, um, while we were, um, like, earlier this, this afternoon, we were watching um, the episode where they do the, um, uh, it's the premiere of Filbert, the show he's on. Oh, yeah, and the one that, like, kind of um, blends together... Uh, reality in the tv show mm-hmm. um no that's the next episode okay this is just like um this is basically it ends with Anne. Anne. oh my god um i almost called her annie <laughs> uh which is allison Bree's character from community diane um, diane basically calls him out for his like shitty behavior and he's like well i've got an alcohol problem and he basically makes every excuse in the book and she finally is just like no you've got a fucking you problem. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, so, I, I like, as much as I am a little, I'm pretty down on this episode, I, I appreciate that the episode acknowledges that his shitty behavior, his abusive behavior, is his behavior. Um, All men are beasts. And, no, yeah, well, <laughs> um, except Giles. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and like Pete turns into this monster, and the monster is well. Let's just, just say it's not one of what I was just saying. Keep going. I just needed more wine. Yeah, he, he pulled that box out and everything. Um, I'm gonna say that uh, this episode really isn't the best for the uh, for the monster design team because yeah, like it. Do you remember like um? Like, in your watching of Star Trek, do you remember, like, episodes where it really felt like, oh, the, the aliens were basically just humans with, like, maybe a bump or two on their forehead or, yep. like, or like a line or two or something like that? Like, basically something that's, like, even less maintenance than the Bajoran nose ridge. Like, yep. that's kind of how this, that's kind of how this monster feels, like, it's awful. Yeah. It's just like it's it's just like veiny and um and there's something like his hand is like claws or something. Yeah, these weird claws. And yeah, and it's um, like and so apparently apparently Pete had made a potion, a glowing green potion that when he drank turns him into this monster and now like anytime he gets upset, um he turns into that monster again and it's yeah. It's, okay. It's not like, great. Um, we, uh, um, 
uh, Oz meets up with Debbie. Um, and we, we didn't mention this earlier, but he was going to lend her um, his notes from a class because um, she was she'd been struggling with it. Um, and this is where we see um, he's got a black eye or she's got a black eye and he sees that. And um, he's, I know we keep saying it, but just, he's such a great guy. He's just like, hey, you know, you can talk to me. If you want to talk to me, Allie will be here to listen. The young kids would call Oz a good bean. <laughs> Why? Why would they call, what? Is that a that, thing? That's that apparently a thing that like um, younger kids are saying now. They're calling like good people, good beans. I don't know why. Good bean. Yeah. Good bean. Okay. All right. I've processed it. It's there. All right. I've dealt with it. <laughs> um, while this is happening, Pete is watching and uh, he is unhappy. Um, and, you know, this is another behavior we're seeing um, that is very reminiscent of this type of relationship. You know, this jealousy, this... She cannot have a relationship with anyone else other than him. Um, the first victim had been her friend, who she'd been in um, March, the marching jazz band, which we really <laughs> glossed over. Um, Sunnydale has a marching jazz band. Which um, Oz explains like jazz is mostly improv, so people would be marching in all sorts of different directions. <laughs> um, uh, so, th and this is where the gang is cluing these pieces together. All of these victims, or well, both of these victims have ties to Debbie. Well, and um, the coroner states uh, that, um, the coroner has told them that he, that Platt died shortly before Buffy mm -hmm. found him during the day. So that yeah. meant that Oz couldn't have killed him and Angel couldn't Nor have killed Angel. him. I will say, I understand that, you know, and not just this episode, I feel like this happens over the course of the series, um, where someone dies and it's like, okay, who are our suspects? We narrow it down to like one or two, like in this case, we've got two suspects and then a third, but they live in Sunnydale where lots of things could have killed this guy. <laughs> um, no, it just happens, so, to be, uh, happens to be whatever is convenient to the plot. Yeah, which it's, it's fine. You know, at some point you do have to sacrifice a little bit of realism to tell a story. Yeah. And, and that is okay. Um, they... Um, they, they determine, they, they've come to Debbie and Pete because that is the common denominator yeah. um, between these two people. Um, they initially think maybe it was Debbie, but Buffy's like, no, like, Mr. Platt was dead in an instant. There's no way Debbie could have done that. Um, which, a little sexist, I'm not going to lie. A little, a little, <laughs> especially coming from Buffy... I, I personally think that Buffy gets more than a little jealous when there are other uh, young women with superpowers around. <laughs> um, um, they, um, uh, this is kind of when they uh, 
Oz tells them about the bruises he saw, and they're like, uh, they, they they piece it together that this is Pete doing this. Um, they have to lock Oz in the cage because it is the third night of the full moon. Yeah. Um, or the yeah. night after the full moon. And um, also Angel has managed to break free from his shackles. Um, Faith and... Yeah, and so they decide that uh, Faith and Giles are going to like kind of patrol the town, see if they could like mm-hmm. find or look throughout the school and see if they could find, uh, find either Debbie or Pete. And, um, which is really cool because like, obviously the Slayer is the powerhouse of the team. So it's great that they can like split up now and have like a Slayer each. Yeah. So that's awesome. Um, and, uh, Buffy and Willow are going to try looking for, also looking for Debbie who they find Mm -hmm. in the locker room. Yeah. And this is where this, this interaction happens between Buffy Willow and um and and uh Debbie and I just I really don't like it. I Yeah, it's not the greatest. It I mean, I've already met, I think I I feel like I've said my piece on it, but that, you know, that line don't get hit. It's so victim blaming. It's so like Buffy more she doesn't say the words, but she more or less tells Debbie like, you know, this is your fault. And Which I mean, Debbie was already saying too, and she was telling yeah. Willow and Buffy about this, and they don't really give her like a safe, a safe sort of space. Like, uh, no, yeah, when Buffy is trying to, like, she says like, "Oh, this is like a waste of time," and um, and like she's kind of sitting there, like Debbie's sitting there, traumatized, just being like, "Oh, mm-hmm. it's not his fault. He wouldn't do this, or we wouldn't do this," and like. And and Willow's like, oh, I think we broke her, and she's like, she was already broken. But yeah, this is like so damn it's, callous. I I understand it, like in universe, like this is time sensitive. This guy is dangerous. People are going to get hurt. But the writers have chosen to tell a story about this um, this subject. Um, and at this point, you're not giving two shits yeah. about the victim. Yeah. And um, so, you know, if they wrote this, needed the scene to be in here and they needed Buffy to act this way, they needed to have also included something to counteract Buffy. You know, you know, Willow is right there. Willow is a very empathetic, kind person. Why wasn't Willow standing up for Debbie in the scene? Mm-hmm. Like, again, you know, that could have been interesting. That could have been powerful. Um, but I, I think... My my apologies, Marty. I think you dropped the ball a little, uh, a little here. But you know, you've done a lot of good in your career. So, um, uh, while Oz is like in his cage, um, trying to uh, basically he's preparing to transform. Uh, Pete goes into the library, and he's like basically going to kick Oz's ass. And Oz is like, look, yeah. man, something's about to happen that you wouldn't understand. <laughs> and then, like, Pete does his transformation. He's like, or, you know, maybe you would. And um, so he, like... They really need to stop underestimating what the, their fellow students might understand. Yeah. Like... <laughs> I mean, they, they, they've, been ha- they've been noticing this stuff enough. Um, but, uh, yeah, so... Um, 
he basically beats up on Oz until Oz transforms into the werewolf. And mm-hmm. yeah, like I said, the werewolf looks terrible. Um, it's awful. Yeah. Uh, but then, like. And unlike last time, it is brightly lit and like on full display. Yeah, so no mystique here. Uh, but yeah, so they, um, so they like go and fight, but um, when Buffy and everybody else gets back, uh, Buffy grabs the gun, the Trank gun, to try to uh, shoot Oz and like get him to calm down because he'll probably end up killing uh, Pete. Mm-hmm. But then uh, Debbie like pushes the gun while, um, <laughs> and again, maybe if you'd have like given Debbie a safe space, she wouldn't have done this. But yeah. now Giles has a dart in his ass. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I know this is like serious, but Giles getting shot with the tranquilizer gun is fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's just so funny. And he just goes down. He's like... <laughs> oh. um, so Angel, um, or Oz runs off. Um, Pete, Pete runs, he runs off. off. Angel... Uh, Buffy gives the Trank gun to Faith and then runs after Pete. And mm-hmm. Faith and Willow and go after Oz. After God, Oz, yeah. this plot is so, <laughs> so crazy. Yeah. Um, I do like, um, as you mentioned, though, like, yeah, having two Slayers. This is great. And seeing them coordinate. Um, and there's no sort of, like, when... Buffy throws the gun to Faith and says, go after Oz. Faith just does it. There's no moment where she's like, no, I want to go after the that guy. Yeah, I think at this point um, she's really, really come to uh, respect Buffy. Um, yeah, they're working together really yeah. well. Faith manages to knock out Oz with a, with a dart. Um, and uh, Buffy follows Pete, but unfortunately Pete has, um, has uh, killed Debbie. Yeah. Um, which is another thing I just uh, I, I dislike about this episode. I I don't like the choice to to have killed this character. Yeah, that, that came across as strange to me too because I feel like I feel like this is not a crazy important Buffy episode. So I feel like the stakes shouldn't be super high. And I would have felt better if, like, if Buffy was able to save Debbie in time. But the fact yeah. that she didn't gives, like, this, um, it's, it, it's very, it's very not comparable at all. But, like, it reminds me of, like, how, um, in the second Mamma Mia movie, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, you find out at the beginning that Meryl Streep's character, Donna, is dead. Um, mm-hmm. sorry for the spoiler, but you find it out at the very beginning of the movie. And it just, like, while the movie's supposed to be happy and bright, it does kind of leave this pall over the whole mm-hmm. movie. Um, because, hey, like, this character that you cared about died. And, I mean, I don't know how many people cared about specifically Debbie, but she is, like, a victim that they're trying Isn't to... Isn't her name Donna? Meryl Streep's character? Yeah. yeah, I thought it was Donna. Did I not say Donna? You said Debbie. Well, no, I'm talking about Debbie in the episode. Oh fuck! <laughs> I'm trying to go back Sorry. and forth between the. Oh my god! No, I'm pretty sure I did say that Meryl Streep was Donna. Um, 
Oh, I'm sorry. I just too many <laughs> too many names yeah. being thrown about. Yeah, I can't keep sorry. Um, but yeah, <laughs> no, so you really kind of you really want to like see Debbie at least get to a better place, but she yeah. doesn't get that chance. And it just it it underlies the fact that this character had been really underdeveloped. Um, and then all she is in this episode is this victim. Um, and it, um, yeah, I just, I, I, I dislike it immensely. I think the show had gotten a little too, at this point, cavalier about just killing off random students. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I get it. They have a high mortality rate at Sunnydale High, but... Um, I, I think this was the wrong place to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, cause like you had seen this girl abused and then like to see her, to see her die, um, mm-hmm. at the hands of her abuser. Yeah. Goes Which is into, not to say that that's unrealistic. Yeah. But, but it goes to a dark place that doesn't match the tone of a typical Buffy episode. And there's no mm-hmm. follow through for it either. Like, the only thing yeah. that you get following this is, like, um, when Buffy's talking to Scott Hope about how, um, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, like, I know they were your friends. And, um, and like, yeah, Scott, like, Scott doesn't really say much of anything. Just, like, oh, they were my friends before we started going to school together. So, yeah, whatever. But, like, uh, Buffy's left. And maybe if Buffy had been, like, at the end of the episode, like, maybe if she'd acknowledged, like, maybe if I'd been kinder to her like she wouldn't have tried to go back to him or something like that you but yeah know? you don't get anything but like but yeah, nothing like that uh wrapping up the pete fifo buffy is like actually kind of losing to pete and um and then angel shows up and he like and he and he of course is not wearing a shirt um nope. <laughs> buffy buffy kind of forgot to do that um she forgot to put a <laughs> shirt on him oh <laughs> I don't think she <laughs> yeah, I think so, she made a very conscious choice. So yeah, um, I, I guess like for all you Angel fans out there, at least uh, you get to see him not only like snap the neck of a woman abuser, but you get to see him do it without a shirt on. So it's Nipple Town <laughs> Angel. <laughs> but yeah, he like, um, but yeah, he uses like the chains that were around his wrists that he broke out of. And use those to like snap Pete's neck. So that was yep. kind of badass. Um, and he, then immediately is like, Buffy. Yeah, he he <laughs> finally goes back to his human face and like kind of kneels down, grabs Buffy, and just starts crying. Um, this moment, this moment is nice, but uh, like this this specifically the moment of them embracing one another is nice and as fans of the couple I'm happy to see it but what exactly about this scene like made him revert back to his previous self like it does not make any sense to me like I don't know if it was like was it the it, snapping of someone's neck that he was like oh yeah I don't know if Buffy. it was the I don't know if it was the action of like saving Buffy from something. Um, okay, but yeah, it, maybe it does. It, it does feel like a little misplaced. Just like, oh, all right, so this is gonna be how this scene goes. It, uh-huh. it it's it's again like kind of sloppy narration. Yeah, and uh, it's just get we got to get back to the status quo. You know, we've got to get back to Angel's got to get back to normal. Yeah, and uh, 
And yeah, the next day we talked about how like, um, like yeah, and that's when people say like, oh, Pete like made this potion to like be better, like be the best guy yeah. for for um, for Debbie, and then yeah. like it Willow. Uh, direct, directly name drops Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, if just you, in case if you hadn't, they were it like, already. "Do you get it?" <laughs> um, but yeah, and like Buffy tries to console Scott, doesn't work. Um, so instead, she like, um, so she goes and watches Angel sleep, and then you have Buffy reading from Call of the Wild. But yeah. does she do that while she's in the mansion, or does it just start in the voiceover? Um, oh gosh, I can't remember. Yeah, I'm trying. Honestly, by the end at the end of this, I was just like, okay, let's let's just be done. Let's. Yeah, and like, <laughs> uh, and I think like that might be another thing. Like, if she had started reading the Call of the Wild, then I would have been like a little bit all right with it. But it really did seem like it was just going back into the voiceover, and I'm mm-hmm. like, and what was the point? Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's such a weird. Like, I get that they're justifying it because Xander mentions that they're studying it in their English class. But this this call of the wild motif just feels really like belabored. Like, <laughs> like uh, we uh, we get it. We all men are beasts, except for Giles. Yeah, he's it's, only a um, beast in bed. Yeah, it's a. Uh... Oh, apparently, like according to the Buffy Wiki, he is the. Uh, Mr. Platt was the seventh member of Sunnydale High staff to die. R.I.P. Mr. Platt. <laughs> no, excuse me. Gosh uh, bless you. Gosh so bless me. <laughs> um, I know we've done. Uh, gosh, I know we've we've counted this before. So it's Dr. Gregory from uh, Principal Flutie. Um, what's her name from My Only Have Eyes for You? Uh, Jenny Callender. Yeah. Oh gosh, there's definitely oh the the nurse and the swim coach and Mr. Platt. That's them. There you go. Um, what a morbid tally. <laughs> oh, and Giles was unconscious uh, <laughs> in this episode. Although he was not, uh, our our normal criteria is that he is uh, knocked unconscious. Via blunt force trauma, this was tranquilizer uh, dart to the a ass. Tranquilizer dart, so it is not a uh, it's not a full on unconsciousness from Giles, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah. So yeah, Beauty and the Beasts. Um, uh, I have uh, no more thoughts about this episode. Yeah, there this was. Is, um, you know, the funny thing is, like when I finished watching this episode, I kind of looked at like the episode list on Hulu. And I realized, oh my gosh, there's so many good episodes coming up in this mm-hmm. season. This just happens to not be one of them. This is like one no. of the few duds of the season. So yeah. sorry, it's the one you guys are getting now. Hopefully, our commentary uh, was <laughs> was good enough to justify the watch. Um, I hope um, you know. I, I for me, I think this is my least favorite episode of the season. Um, so. It's all uphill from here. Um, maybe I'll reevaluate that as we go through the season. There might be one that I'm forgetting, but um, I do think this is this episode is like the season's uh, low point. Yeah, I. As of right now, I'm inclined to agree with you. Um, 
but it's also been a while since I've watched all of season three. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll make that reevaluation, uh, especially when we get our <laughs> season three recap episode. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm going to give this episode uh, one and a half fainting willows in a morgue. <laughs> I'm uh, going to give this... Out of five. I'm going to give this episode one and a half... Uh, jars of green goop that don't get explained <laughs> until they don't even show up until more than halfway through the episode very nice um jason what's your drinking game for beauty and the beasts um hmm uh, i guess drink anytime you're happy that xander isn't in a lot of this episode <laughs> <laughs> You'll be uh, feeling is. great by um, the end of it. Yeah. Um, Sorry, my drinking I mean, my drinking game rules haven't been that great so far, so <laughs> I'll try to get better. I'm going to say um, take a drink every time you can see Angel's nipples. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's actually a lot in this episode. Yeah. All right. But you don't get right, to see um, his David Boreanaz. <laughs> uh, too bad. Next time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else for from you, Jason? Not really. Like I said, this this episode's more of like a uh, let's move on, let's move past yeah. it. Yeah. Agreed. Well, all right. Let's take it out. All right. Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We will be back next week with Homecoming. I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij three five seven and on Twitter at yamij. That's it. <laughs> And I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's C-O-F-F-M-A-N. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. The and is spelled out A-N-D. Or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. Again, the and is spelled out. Uh, You can also find us on YouTube where we will release a short video with each episode where we will discuss spoilers that we can't talk about on the podcast. Also, please don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And each week we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week we're highlighting the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Obviously concerning the episode, it ties in very well. The National Coalition Against Domestic Violence's mission is to lead, mobilize, and raise their voices to support efforts that demand a change of conditions that lead to domestic violence, such as patriarchy, privilege, domestic violence, or excuse me, racism, sexism, and classism. They are dedicated to supporting survivors, holding offenders accountable, and supporting advocates. Visit N as in Norman, C. A D V is in Victor dot org for more information. Mm-hmm. And as always, go slay and be gay. Goodbye. Bye bye. <laughs>